I think I should introduce my coffee cup at the beginning. Oh, of every okay. Episode. That's a this good is one too. this is this is my clump. No, this is not my clump cup. Because coffee cups, they change how the coffee tastes. Sure, yeah. for sure. But this is Erica's, and she'll be mad at me that I have it. Did you know that she does wants it have a more of a feminine sort of a flavor? Yeah, to it gives it a little more bouquet. Yeah, yeah. No, what? So, like, Erica wants to be a clown. I did not know that. You, nobody would, because she's like the most straight laced serious straight face person. She never laughs at my jokes. Yeah. But that's what she she like. They have all those clowns at um, have you, the BCH clowns. Have you ever seen them? Uh-huh. Patches, and I don't remember what they are. And she's like, that's me. I could totally do that. She'd be like the straight clown that was tripping over herself. And that's so cute. It's like we all have this kind of, oh, I wish I was an astronaut. Uh-huh. Yeah. She's she like, wish she was a clown. I could have been a clown. So she got a clown coffee cup. So Nice. Today, I'm stealing Erica's cup. All right. to Talking in the Chasm, compassionate, controversial conversation between best friends, holy man. And an atheist. The a- no, Are you the or an? I'm an atheist. I've been converting people. <laughs> um, Have you? Yeah. So now there's more than just me. No. There's, we, there's a few of us out there So now. it's going the wrong way for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is having the opposite effect of what you wanted. Um, Okay, so today we're uh, talking about the popo. The police. We didn't start with a frame of my tattoo. We did not, and also um, we didn't introduce that I'm Felix. And I'm Matthew. Yeah. It's good to remember, because um, we know. So tell, tell me about your tattoo. What, what are we talking about again? Uh, back in the old days, not like the old west, but the, the old the skinhead days. The skinhead days. Uh, there's a there's an anti police slogan that's very common with punk rockers and skinheads. A C A B. It means <clears throat> something not nice. It means that all police are sons of unwed mothers. Ah, okay. And you have that tattooed on you. I have that. That's my only tattoo. Oh, Matthew. My wife works for a tattoo removal studio. It's called Disappearing Ink, and you're going to want to go there to get your tattoos. Get your uh, ACABs removed. This is a sponsored uh, (laughs) post. You didn't know that. Um, Okay, so, yeah. So I'm starting with a prejudice. So, yes. In fact, I think the reason that we wanted to talk about this is that you have have told me... um, that you feel like you're straight up racist against cops and that it's something that you wish that you could change about yourself. You know, we all have uh, things. things about us that we don't like. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I wish that I could love everybody and that I didn't carry anger or hatred. And uh, I do. I mean, there's a few people that I just can't talk to. And and, and I, it's hard to forgive people. And... and uh, so anyway, but uh, about the police, uh, so we've got let me, a lot to talk about. Yeah, so let me start with a disclaimer because most of the things that I that I believe, uh, I, I I want other people to believe. 
but this is this is more a category of a bias that I have. You know, I try to I try to be mindful of my community and my faith when I when I articulate and advocate certain things. But this is not one of those things. This is one of those things that I feel like <clears throat> is a, is more of a struggle that I have. It's something that that's difficult for me to put in 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 proper categories and and it's a really complex issue for me because so I have my past experiences which aren't it's not like I was ever beat up by cops or anything right. but I had but I had this whole cat and mouse youth with the police and they were the they were the one side and I was the other side and I don't have any um, I, I don't have any naivete about how much the cops are always on our side I, I so okay so that's one thing and then on on another more like philosophical level I really I, I have a certain kind of opposition to the powers that be like I see Jesus as the ultimate radical and I see the nation that he's instilling as in certain regards um, antithetical to the power structures that be like in a in a classically political sense i believe in a jesus revolution that that the powers that be are are in opposition with what jesus is trying to do in the world and then on on the last level there's all this kind of like there's this social injustice that's happening you know right. indiscriminate rates of of incarceration uh, sentencing guidelines, when, all this kind of stuff. When you talk about the difference between Jesus and the way that it is now, are you talking about that now it's sort of uh, power rules? Yes. That it's like the one with the most power? Yes. Okay, yeah. Force and coercion I, yeah, is how I'm the sure. world moves. Yeah, and I, I agree. And so, and I have, a, I have a kind of complex theological framework for how power structures exist. Like, there's a, there's a, there's a famous passage in the Bible in Romans chapter 13, that describes the describes state authority and it says that that the state is ordained by God they're his minister for wrath that they bear not the sword in vain and what that means is that there's a framework that says men don't act well they have problems <laughs> they can't be trusted yes honestly yeah and so in order to reward good and to punish evil there's these civil structures in place and essentially Essentially, the Christian view is that the, the world powers, but all of them, not just ours, all of the world powers are there so that you can't steal from the market, you can't rape, you can't kill indiscriminately. And all those things are true, whether you're talking about Pharaoh's Egypt or Hitler's Germany or Mao's China or Bush's America, you can't steal from the market, you have to do what you say, you can't kill your neighbor, like all of that's in place in every civil society. And so that's a framework that these powers are necessary from a certain perspective, but they're also temporal and antithetical to God's ultimate plan. And can I just say that it's sad that we consider them necessary? I mean, it's sad that you can't just say don't rape people, mm -hmm. that you have to enforce it, that we have to have a group of people with guns to walk around and make sure that we're Nobody not does that. raping each other. Um, but we do recognize, both of us would recognize that that's true. Yes. Yes. Um, so my sort of framework is that I, you know, I'm a, a white 
male with enough money to live and I have every advantage in the entire world and police are for the most part nice to me um, I don't fear being around cops I mean if a cop walks up to me I, I'm not immediately afraid for my life and not for your life but do you get the heart flutter when a cop pulls up behind you well yeah yeah I mean I don't get pulled over very much because I yeah. drive safely and don't speed <laughs> but but um, I am aware that a huge percentage of this country does not feel safe when a police is... I mean, it's interesting. When, when, when I was a, a little child, my parents were always like, oh, the police are your friends, and if you ever need, have any trouble, just go up to a uniformed cop, and you can ask them for anything, and they're, they're your friends. And, you know, meanwhile, black families are like, okay, if the cops come up to you, you immediately do whatever they say. You show their hands. hands you move slowly. Mm -hmm. You are completely compliant. You know, yeah. and when a cop walks up to me, I feel slightly safer. When a cop walks up to a black man in my exact same position, they feel less safe. Mm -hmm. And that's a horrible, horrible injustice. It's a terrible thing. So I can't pretend to understand what that's like. What that would be like to um, be discriminated against immediately, offhand because of the way that I look. Mm -hmm. um, I, I will tell some stories, but I have been harassed by cops many times because of the way that I look, long hair and tattoos and stuff. But I chose to look this way. I mm -hmm. made myself into what I am. I mean, I knew, oh, I'm putting myself on the fringe of society. That's which kind is, of the point. Right, it's why I did it. I'm yeah. trying to say I'm not part of blue and whatever. But... Um, so I did that. If I was born a black person, I, I didn't choose to do I, I'm not putting myself on the fringe of society and deciding to be harassed by police. That just comes with the territory. So I, I'm going to talk about police brutality and stuff, but not from a position of, 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 I, not of a position of pretending to have any idea what I'm talking about. Sure. You know, I don't understand what, the, what that would be like. My, and it hurts my heart to hear the stories. Yeah, um, but I have I have a friend uh, who is black and and he just succinctly put it so well. But he said, whenever you're uh, black people are in a, a dealing with the police, their job is to de-escalate the police. That's the job. Mm -hmm. So whatever that is, compliance. Yes, and, sir. I mean, you know, yeah, your your whole job because the, 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 you come into it with the police in a state of escalation. That's never been my, in my well, it has been a few times, but but that's not my experience. That's not my world experience uh -huh. as of now. You know, the police come to this beautiful neighborhood in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and well, to a bunch of white people, and you know, I don't feel like I have to de-escalate them. Yeah. So. I think in my interactions with the police in my youth, we actually es we were the escalators. Right, like we you were, were just intentionally the police and right. intentionally difficult. Which, if we were black kids, that wouldn't. I mean, I suppose black gangs do that to the cops too. But right, but you might be dead. If yeah, that was the case. Uh, not, we were never worried that we were going to not walk away from that encounter. Right. So let, let me maybe. Do you have a story that you want to tell, a sort of about how you how you became where where you are with the police? Uh, you no, know, I I have different interactions. I think the reason the reason I feel the way I do about them, just kind of being trying to be self analytical, 
is that I, I, I don't trust power bearers. I, I don't I don't have um, that doesn't inspire confidence in me when people are are effectively the sword bearer. When when it's do what I say or else, I, I am immediately suspicious. I'm suspicious of intentions, I'm suspicious of abuse of power, I'm suspicious of 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 putting of anybody that has a category of life where if they have a bad day, if they wake up on the wrong side of the bed, everyone they encounter that day is going to have a bad day. And that kind of egomania, it, yeah. it just makes me immediately suspicious of the whole category. Yeah, my problem also in that way is that it feels to me as if we are distributing this power completely arbitrarily. Yeah. I mean, you want to be a cop, you go to this school, and then you have power. Yeah. Um, and... A lot of these people don't uh, have no business with power. Um, we we both read this book. It's what turned you recommended this book to me, and it turned out to be one of the best books that I've ever read, um, called On Killing. Mm -hmm. And the, the the premise of the book is that humans don't want to kill each other. That, yeah. that interspecies do not want to kill each other. Um, intraspecies don't want to kill each other. Um, just briefly, so there's in uh, interspecies, right? Like a, if a lion attacks me, I'm going to try to kill that lion, uh -huh. okay? Because that's fight or flight. Whereas intraspecies, if you attack me, it's called posture uh, or, or, or retreat, right? And that is, you know, you're going to try to beat me up and I'm going to try to beat you up. I'm not going to try to kill you. I'm yeah. just going to try to prove my superiority. Um, it's a dominance, not, right. a, not and, a killing. And it's sort of ingrained mm -hmm. that humans don't want to kill each other that is very difficult so for example rattlesnakes don't bite each other when they fight over mating exactly piranha don't bite each other they right slap each beetles other with, their with their huge yeah. um, mandibles they don't try if a snake attacks a beetle the, the beetle will try to kill the yeah. snake whereas uh, beetles beetle. against beetle they just try to knock each other off yeah. the, the they branch. don't kill their own right so um and then of course the book talks a lot about how in the civil war and even up until world war ii uh, I think they said 80% of the people, uh, the soldiers would rather die than kill another soldier, even in self-defense. That it's just it's difficult to teach people to kill another. Even in the human trench being. warfare of World War One, when you're literally staring down the barrel of a gun, people still choose to fire over the enemy, right. or tend to the wounded, or run for ammunition, or anything. Right. But anything except kill. For, right. And then we we learned how to how to kill people, how how to use psychology, how to use the the psychology from this this book basically to uh, t teach people to kill and so in, especially by, in the latter end of Vietnam by the time we got to Vietnam it was a 90 percent mm -hmm. people would actually kill so um, but anyway one of the one of the things about this book is that it says that about two percent of the soldiers enjoy killing okay and that you know roughly corresponds to the psychopath mm -hmm. in in, in society, that two percent of us are, are psychopathic with without empathy and with you know, uh, you're you're told to kill, you just kill, no problem. And I am wondering if the police attract the psychopathic because the you know the, the whole idea of self, so the psychopath is the you know the the interest in in the self and the uh, the disinterest in, in in outside of the self and. Um, and power is certainly a way of asserting yourself. So I'm, I'm just curious. I would be interested to know what percentage of the police 
are psychopaths versus the percentage of regular society because I just have a feeling that it attracts psychopaths so you know they're in not only are they in more power but they have less empathy just by virtue of the job that it is you know the reason that, yeah. that soldiers in World War two were were only two percent is because it was a draft yeah I mean now if, if soldiers who want to become soldiers they would be so I you know in the army there would be more than two percent of psychopaths yeah. because those people are attracted to that job I think that that's probably a controversial thing that a lot of people would have a problem with but but even e whether or not that's true whether or not there's a higher incidence of that which I, I would tend to agree with you it, it's certainly people that are drawn to power it's certainly people who want to use coercive force yeah. and and in general terms I think the people who want to use coercive force are probably the last people that should have it, especially in an unchecked manner. And that, so when you, so when I look at, at, at law enforcement policing in America, especially in a post-war context, you know, you, we had all these kids that go over to Afghanistan, they were in doing whatever they were doing there in, in Iraq, and you come home and what are you gonna do? How are you gonna, how are you gonna normalize after shooting people in Fallujah? And so policing and law enforcement is a natural outflow of a military career. There's a lot of ex-military and policing, policing and security in general. And, and then you have like this soldier mentality, and I think that's what's working its way into our society when you look at, at in the last five, seven years, these really um, explosive and often racial violence that happens with the police, whether it's Eric Garner in New York, or Philandro Castile, or, and I don't know if all those police officers were ex-military or not, but it seems like there's something that's coming into law enforcement policing, and it looks like militarism. It looks like, it looks like there's an attitude among a number of police that say, I'm, go I'm, I'm treating the, the population like an, like an enemy combatant. Yeah, I mean, when when we were kids, this isn't Mayberry. Yeah, when, yeah, exactly. When we were kids, it was Mayberry more. I mean, when when I was a child, police officers, the police department didn't have tanks. Mm -hmm. You know, APCs they didn't have and bazookas, and, and I mean, you know, whole, wow. Yeah. You know, we have militarized <laughs> the police in a way that is is frightening. Um, well, in the nineties, in the nineties, uh, I I can remember Eric and I. A whole our whole gang being stopped by by the police in a park at 1 a.m. drinking and like I don't know if there's 15 of us and two cops not a one of us got frisked all they did was check our names and stuff like yeah. I don't I can't imagine that happening nowadays right. maybe it shouldn't have then but but that's where that's the experiences we were having with the police back in those days they'd pull a whole lot of us over and not a one of us got frisked yeah well, I, 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 I also want to say that I respect the job of a police officer, and I, I think that um, it is extraordinarily difficult, and, uh, and oftentimes, you know, you put your life uh, in, on the line in between a bad guy and a good guy. You know, you're the one that runs into uh, horrible situations, and um, so I, I do respect that and understand it a little bit. Um, but let me, let me maybe I'll just tell my story yeah, sure. of um, you know sometimes that 
police were not nice to me. Um, one time in particular, I was um, getting tattooed, and uh, we were coming back um, from New Hampshire, and it was my brother and a girlfriend of ours and myself in a rental car because you couldn't get tattooed in Massachusetts. We had to drive to New Hampshire to get tattooed, and then we would drive back. And, Why um, couldn't you couldn't get tattooed? It was illegal, yeah. Tattoos were illegal in Massachusetts. Yeah, until like t 10 years it's ago. It's so funny how puritanical this place yeah. is. Yeah, <laughs> right? Um, so anyway, uh, as we're driving there, my, my, my brother's driving, and he kind of, you know, swerves off the side of the road just a tiny bit, and Sky, the girl that was with us, like freaked out. She's like, oh my gosh, you're driving like, you know, you gotta... So he for the rest of the trip was just like, just staring straight two. ahead, absolutely perfect, <laughs> you know. And uh, on the way back, we, a cop comes behind us, lights flashing, we pull over, and the cop gets out. It's in the middle of the night, it's snowing, and he walks to the car and his hand is kind of on his gun, and I am thinking, what a terrible job. You know, this poor guy, he has no idea what's waiting for him in this car. I mean, it could be a shotgun to the window. He has no idea. What must that be like? I mean, I was immediately like, man, this job, this poor guy, right? He comes over and he asks my brother, you know, give me your license. And, and my brother said, what's going on? What was I doing? He says, you know what? Get out of the car. And um, he takes my brother out of the car. And I said, what's going on? And he goes, you know what? You two out of the car. So he takes us both out of the car. And then he puts us against the car and starts searching us. And like, I mean, like putting his hands in our pockets and pulling our pockets out and all this stuff. And then he goes back to his car and he calls other cops and it's like two other cars come and lights are flashing. There's three cop cars all around, so lights are flashing. And I'm like, what? what is going on here? I start to get a little bit scared because I'm like, uh -huh. we did it. I don't understand what's happening. And um, and they're searching all over everything. They, they end up going, taking Sky's purse and just dumping it out on the seat and going through it. They said, uh, open the trunk. and. We opened the trunk, and it was a rental car. It was like brand new. There was like lint, and you know. <laughs> and one of them goes, uh, "Well, it's pretty clean, Jim." You know, and uh, they were just on their hands and knees digging through our car. So um, uh, one of them turns to me and he goes, "What did you do with the drugs? What did you throw them out of the car?" And I'm like, "I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't. I don't do drugs. I don't even smoke. You know, I don't drink." He goes, oh yeah, you're a perfect angel. <laughs> and my brother goes, as a matter of fact, he is. <laughs> um, so he, he said, you know, what did you do with the drugs? As if drugs are present. That's, we're not questioning that. We're questioning Assume. what you did with yeah. them, right? So as they're patting us down and, and they wouldn't let me put my hands in my pockets even though it's freezing cold outside, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I am completely in these people's power. I mean, they could just throw a baggie on the ground and go, what do we have here? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I have no idea. They can do anything they want with us. Yeah. And it was a terrible, scary, awful feeling. Um, so anyway, they don't find any drugs because we don't have any drugs. And then uh, they say, okay, get back in the car. And then we hear them talking amongst themselves. And I overhear one of the cops ask the <coughs> other cop, well, can we at least get them for speeding? And I'm like, what? why? Why do they have to get us for something? I don't know, this is awful. So the cop comes over and he hands my brother a ticket and it says, failure to keep right, $100. I'm like, does that mean like the line? 
or like we didn't stay on the right side of the road or does that mean you know failure to keep right like we were in the wrong <laughs> yeah like, I mean, I, honestly I, what, what is this i don't even know what this means so uh i i call my my when we got home i called my my good friend Keith, his his father uh, is a captain of the was a captain of the Orlando Police Department. Great guy, love him. He's super cool. He's practically a, a father to me. I called him up and I told him what happened, and he was immediately like, "Okay, they can't search you without feeling threatened. They can't you know go to your car without probable cause. There's no reason that they would you know." He's, he's like, "You need to call Internal Affairs and say that they did this, 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 this." You know. So um, I was like, yeah, "I don't know," but Sky's father was a district attorney or something, and he uh-huh. ended up calling people and then I got a call from like the FBI a week later that said oh we understand that your civil rights might have been violated and I'm like what are you talking about so I just you know said the you know told them what happened and then they called a few weeks later and they said ah your civil rights weren't violated but we we did civil rights are perfectly in order yeah yeah no problem no problem so um but we did contest the ticket right because uh-huh. we're like oh, we didn't do anything and um we decided that my brother should be the one that goes and talks to them because I look like I look, and my brother looks a lot more conservative. So um, we go to the police, and we go to the courthouse in Newburyport, and the courthouse is on the top, and the police department is on the bottom. They're in the same mm-hmm. building. I'm like, they have freaking lunch to get, get yeah, there, right? right? So we walk in there just totally like, oh my gosh. And my brother explains what happened, and the judge says, well, it is clear that you were mistreated. However, the cops wouldn't pull you over for nothing. Of course not. So I'll I'll uh, reduce the fine to fifty dollars. So that's what happened. So that's what happened. That was my bad experience. I didn't get shot. You know, I didn't get killed by the police. I, I mean, I didn't get, have drugs thrown on the ground and get you know. For them to save face, they mm-hmm. didn't, you know, uh, plant drugs on me. They could, any of these things could have happened. So I, I, it's not a big deal, right? So I, except for that feeling okay. of, oh my gosh, I have no power. So how do you? Why doesn't that color all of your interactions and, and opinions? Well, about it, it, it's interesting because after that, I moved to Florida and uh, I got this little tiny convertible, like a uh, Triumph Spitfire. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, it was cute, and I'm, you know. And it was like two thousand dollars, right? Because it's a piece of crap. But I'm driving around, and, and Sarah, my wife, is with me, and and we got pulled over. I would say two times a week. I'm not exaggerating. Twice a week, oh, I know a cop would pull us over, and I'd be like, "What's going on?" And they're like, "Oh, what, where are you going? What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, we're going to band practice." And he's like, "Okay, uh, what's in the trunk?" I'm like, "My guitar." He's like, "You want to show me?" I'm like, sure. And I opened the trunk and he's like, oh, what's, what's in that? And I was like, that's my guitar case. My guitar's in there. He's like, yeah, you want to show me? Open it up. There's a guitar. What's in the guitar? Yeah, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah. And then... Um, you want to break it open for me? And then he put... Yeah. <laughs> you want um, to... Keith uh, Richards, that right. thing? Um, so, and then he would pull me off to the side and then he would take Sarah out of the car and goes, where are you guys going? Yeah, what's, what's going on? And to make sure that our stories match, right? This happened all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's because I had long hair and tattoos in a place where there were people that did not have long hair and tattoos, mm-hmm. right? But again, I did this to myself. I'm not pretending that this is some sort of, you know, prejudice, racial, anything. Um, so there were lots of negative experiences that I, I had with, with police. But you know, in my sort of desire to not hate people and not prejudge, is that I really do try very hard not to um, 
to, 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 to judge people. But I, I'm not saying that it didn't color, you know. And I, so people I, aside, what about the institution? I mean, I saw the movie Serpico. Yeah, you know, right. And here's a cop that wants to be good uh-huh. and doesn't take money that the others take. Mm-hmm. So they consider him an outsider and that he's going to, you know, snitch or whatever. So they stand by while he gets shot in the face. And so part of me is like, well, you join the police force and you do a drug bust and there's $80,000 in cash. And the cops turn to each other and go, well, there might two as well you, have been... Two for me? Yeah, there might as well have been $70,000 in cash. What's mm-hmm. the difference? You get five, I get five. And if you are in a position where you say, well, that's wrong, I don't want to do that, now you are suspect to the other police. So part of me is like, is it possible to be a good cop? I mean, I, I do, honestly, I believe that most police officers go into this job because they want to help people. They want to do good. They want to help people. And then they're put in this framework, in this, in this institution where maybe it's not possible to be a good cop. You know, I mean, and you know, I, I don't know. Are all are all cops on the take? I don't know. I don't think so. But uh-huh. I, you know, I, it, you're but in a some situation of them that's for sure difficult, are. right? And I also feel like, sort of like this arbitrary thing is like we've got these inner city kids, and half of them become gang members, and the other half become cops. It's, it's almost like, oh, I'll take this side, I'll take this side. But, but we're coming from the same. That's how we of, always felt about them. Is yeah. we always felt they were just the gang in blue. Like that was just their colors. Like they acted and operated the same way we did. They right. thought about themselves the same way we thought about ourselves. Like there was a lot of recognition in my youth that you guys are just a well-funded, respectable gang, and I think that carries through. And when you hear, when you hear a community trying to rein in their policing and add community input, it when you when you hear stuff from police labor unions, like they think of themselves as a separate class of people. They're the special ones. They're right. they're they're like. The Marines of civilians, like you don't understand. We only we understand us, and just be quiet and do what you're told, and we'll take care of you. Be quiet and do what we tell you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my friend's father, yeah, um, the police officer. He's not a police officer anymore, but but I go to his house once a year. He, they live in Florida now, but I go down to run the marathons, and I'm okay. I'm going to see him in a couple of weeks. And last time I was there, he was talking about how, you know, this ridiculous Black Lives Matter campaign and how idiotic it was. And I was just like, okay, I didn't say anything. Um, But when this Black Lives Matter sort of campaign caught on and I, I, like most white males, was just like, don't all lives matter? I don't understand why are we saying Black Lives Matter? Isn't that sort of circus? But I, I think that what it means is Black Lives Matter too. Yeah, it's like we also matter. Yeah, um, and when you hear about not more but the same. <laughs> yeah, and when and these shootings that you uh, see. I mean, now that we have YouTube, we actually see what's going on instead yeah. of just stories. He yeah. said, she said, kind of thing. I mean, you know, I saw a video where a cop shot a black guy and then dropped a gun yeah. as he was walking by. Because it was unjustified. If there's a gun, then it was self-defense. So it's stuff like that that just makes me so angry and so upset. Um, and I would say there's a problem in this country that being black is a crime, and that that's a problem. Or a presumption of guilt, anyhow. 
Right. Um, I mean, Sarah was telling me about an article that she read where kindergarten teachers were uh, <coughs> they were given a group of kids that were you know playing, and they said, you know, what do you think about this kid? What do you think about this kid? And the black males, they said they were more aggressive than the white males, even though they were doing the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Even black teachers mm -hmm. said they're more aggressive. Yeah. So, um, you know, I I I, I think that. The police are colored in that way mm -hmm. to to sort of see that, and and also I feel like a police gets called in for a domestic violence thing. Okay, mm -hmm. they they go in there and there's domestic violence happening, and then they they pull them apart, and then they get another one, and they get ten of these a night, and then they get called in for a rape, and then they get called in for a burglary, and I mean you just see the worst side of humanity all the time, every day. Nobody yeah. calls a cop and says, my 10-year-old's having a birthday. Do you want to come and help blow out the candles? Yeah. No, they don't do that. It's all just the worst Problem. side of humanity. Mm -hmm. So I can see that it would become difficult to not see everybody as a criminal because yeah. that's what you see all the time. And we're and honestly, we're all capable yeah. of doing something horrible. Sure. We've all done things that are horrible, that we were embarrassed about, or that we, you know. So... I, I understand that as well, you know, this is part of my empathy for police, is that I, I see, okay, it's hard, you know, if you happen to live in an inner city and you happen to be patrolling black neighborhoods and you see a lot of crime, you start equating crime with black people. Mm -hmm. Even though that's not true, that's what it looks like to you. And it's impossible not to feel that after just the constant barrage of, you know, uh, of witnessing the behavior. I, I I tried to um, the last few years, especially. I've been trying to deconstruct my own attitudes towards police, and it's not easy for me to do. It's been surprisingly tenacious in in my in my psyche, and I don't I don't understand it as well as I wish I did. I think part of it's like this residual rebellion that I just I'm prone towards for a whole host of reasons. But I I had an experience. Um, I don't know, earlier this this year, I was driving like down Pleasant Street in Arlington and a cop passed me. And um, and I just, I got that, uh, cops, like flash through my head that happens every time I see a cop. And as I was driving away, you know, I didn't have any of the car with me, I was just on my own. And I was like, why do I feel that way? Like, I don't, I don't know that guy. I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about. I didn't even see his face. Like I don't even know who he is. Like just the symbolism of that institution causes that ire in me, and that's not reasonable. It's right. it's not it's not a sensible conclusion because I don't know him. I didn't have any interaction with him. I don't. I, I'm making all these assumptions, and what I what I determined then is that that comes from the story I tell myself about myself that I don't like cops and I was like well I don't that's obviously not healthy like why would I want that why would I want to not like a class of people well and, and also police are living in a world where many people feel that way yeah. so in a way they're being prejudged yeah. when they walk in the room yeah. that, that oh my gosh this is a power hungry jerk uh -huh. who I don't like so I was trying to think about, well, how do I undo that mechanism? And I, I, well, what I came to is that I just need to tell myself a different story about myself. Tell myself I don't have a problem with cops. Like when I see them, try to think differently and create a new pattern of behavior 
around those things. I've also thought, I almost walked into the Medford Police Station one time and just went up front and said, I don't like cops. I feel like I need a friend who's a cop. Do you have anybody like a community outreach that's officer true. I could have over for that's a barbecue true. or something? Because yeah. that's what I would do with another group of people that I felt some kind of prejudice. I'd try to make a connection and say, how do I, how do I connect with you? Just like from On Killing, how do I personalize you? Right. How do I make you a human instead of an institution, somebody instead of something? And I think that would be helpful for me too. Well, we, um, I, I work with developmentally disabled adults, and, and every now and then there's crossover with mental illness mm-hmm. rather than uh, mental uh, cognitive Disability. disabilities uh-huh. from, you know, biological or whatever. Um, but we had a, a guy who had uh, schizophrenia, uh-huh. and at one point he, like, flipped out and said, I'm going to kill you, and he was like, trying to break into our apartment, and he was being super violent, and he punched his father and broke his pinky it was he was flipping out mm-hmm. and I had to call the police yeah um, and they you know came in they're very kind and gentle with this man and, you know put him on a gurney handcuffed him they had to do all this stuff because he was still screaming and uh-huh. foaming and flipping out and they they took him away and 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 I felt safer I was like I'm glad that I didn't have to try to restrain him you know yeah. I'm glad that these professionals came in and they were very professional and they, they took him away and then a few days later a cop came by and he said I'm I'm we're sort of testing this idea of having a mental health officer oh, and that's, that's me uh-huh. and um, I just want to know how did it go? Uh, go with you and also is there anything that that we could do to help people like you you know the people who deal with the with the, this this population Mental of people, issues, yeah. yeah, is there something that that, that we can do to, to, to be better? And, and you know, it's just like, gosh, this is so so great. great. So while I've had some scary bad experiences, I've also had wonderful experiences where you know the police came and I just felt like, oh my goodness, this is so great that that these folks exist. I think one of the thing one of the one of the residual issues I still carry is like. I've never understood the premise of support the troops and not the war. Like, that idea is absurd to me. Like, you don't get a war without the troops. <laughs> I, I feel like Vietnam was ghastly. And, and, and it, this book talks a lot about yeah. all the different ways that, that the Vietnam War was, was just terrible to the individual yeah, people. Yeah. You know, they didn't get a, a chance to decompress yeah. and they, they, they didn't go in as a group and out as a group and take yeah. a two-month uh, boat ride to talk about their stories and to decompress. Instead, they go in and out of of uh, companies Units, yeah. so you're 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 the new guy and then you're and then new guy comes in and then you get taken out and so you're shooting somebody in the jungle and then three days later you're on the street with no parade no fanfare yeah. anything like that it's horrible um but what i mean by that is that like if if like support the troops mentality is like if you look at the iraq war if the iraq war was was unreasonable and unrighteous and I think that both of those are easy cases to make and unprofitable for for any of you just considering America's interests well my, my my point was about the Vietnam thing is I think that's where the support the troops came from is that yeah. we feel terrible about yeah. what we did to the soldiers so now we're all like oh thank you for your service thank you for your service to sort of make up for the fact that in the past we spit on them especially but, when you had a draft Right. Like, I feel like that's a different thing. Like, if, if the government's holding a gun to your head and saying, go, go in the army or we're going to throw you in jail, 
what are you, right. what are you going to do? But, but now we have a volunteer I, army, yeah, and, and people I, are choosing to go to fight unjust right. wars. And they and so the support the troops thing is, I, I think, is sort of a residual from the Vietnam thing, and and, and from what you're saying from volunteers. So I, I understand that yeah. mentality, sure. But I don't condone war, sure. And I think the whole thing is ridiculous, and I don't support. Well, the only reason I bring it up here in this context is that there's a similar construct with... So I've never bought that with our military. Like, if the, if the war is bad, the soldier is bad. Like, if they're shooting people that shouldn't be shot, they're bad. I don't care who told you to. Right. If that's an unrighteous action, you have, eno- you have enough sense like I do to know that's an unrighteous action. You shouldn't right. do it. And if you did it, then you're a part of the problem. Which is why they didn't do it in the Civil War and in yeah. World War II. So then now if we come back home and we talk about law enforcement and you talk about uh, like sentencing disparities between crack cocaine and, and, and blow and just coke, like white drugs versus black drugs. If you talk about incarceration rates, if you talk about the war on drugs, if you talk about things that, that all of us, uh, not, obviously not all of us, but plenty of us know are just wrecking society, there's a set of troops that's causing that war to happen and that's causing these incarceration rates, that's causing black and right. white police officers that are right. throwing people in prison for these drug crimes, for nonviolent offenses, for all kinds of things. And I can't, like, so here in Massachusetts, you know, they had that, that um, crime lab. There was that, that woman who was running the crime lab and she was falsifying results and they had to overturn, I don't know, like oh, 10,000 oh, cases, yes, yes, 10,000 yeah, drug yeah. cases here in this county. And you look at that and you're like, there's an institution, there's an institutional problem. And what, what, what becomes really bad about that scenario is that all of the members of that institution are so myopically self-defensive, we could do no wrong. And it always this imposition of like a mass of people that have to say no, like you have to have a riot, you have to say, you have to you have to bring in thousands of people and riot in the streets to get anyone in the institution to pay attention to something being wrong, and then it still doesn't get accountability like it should. And all of those factors, I, I don't know. I think what I, my takeaway, I want to learn to fix my own thinking about people because it's not right sometimes. But institutionally, I think that my takeaway is that these things are just never going to be just where we're, societies are trying to do the best they can we try to put rules in place but there's right. if you're going to give a group of people power to coerce other people that's always going to be fraught with injustice and right power. I mean we make laws and then we need to enforce those laws because people won't just follow the yeah. laws on their own that's the sad thing so we need enforcement and in order to have enforcement of law you need to distribute power, yeah. and it's going to be arbitrary. If I mean, you know, uh, I, I say this, you know, imagine a world where teachers and police officers are the highest paid, most well-respected jobs that there are. Wh- what a difference would that make? You know, the problem is nobody wants to be a cop. You know, I mean, who wants who wants that? Yeah, you get to be and see the worst of society every single day, all the time, plus your life is in danger. And people hate you just because of the uniform that you wear. Well, I mean, it's a difficult k a year here in Massachusetts with overtime. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's not jump change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, so so let, let's just want 
back up. When the guy when the guy pulls you over back when you were a kid, and you look out the window and you're like, this poor guy, he's walking up here, he has no idea what he's doing. It's funny that you read that situation that way because coming from coming from the other side of the legal spectrum, coming from the criminal side, I'm like, he's play he's playing the same game I am. Like he likes this. That's why he's a cop. He wants this. This is what he feeds on, just like I do. Like when I was a when I was in a gang and we were running around playing cat and mouse, like, oh that's your part to play and this is my part to play and I like my part and you like your part. And I always made that assumption. Like when he's walking up to the car, it's that adrenaline that that's why he's a cop. Not because of the pay, not because of the badge, not because of the prestige, because he's the kind of person that likes that thump. Yeah. I mean he that, likes the edge. That might be. Um but still routine traffic stops do turn into bloody murders um, yeah, they and do. that's got to be terrifying sure. it's on some level no matter who you are yeah um, oh this was yes <laughs> this is interesting um, we in Massachusetts we passed uh, the, 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 uh, there was a judge that recently said running from the police does not constitute probable cause yeah and so I Sarah said she read that article and she told me about it. Sarah reads all the articles and tells me <laughs> about them and then and then I pretend like I know what I'm talking about this um, is a Massachusetts state judge yes uh-huh. and so I did some research to see legally what what that is about and I the only thing I could find is Illinois versus Wadlow that said running in a neighborhood where crime happens is reasonable suspicion, okay, and is subject is subject to search and pat down. All right. So, so if you're jogging through a high crime neighborhood, you're you're you're, you're susceptible to being searched. That's and probable down. cause right. in and of itself. And when we say high crime neighborhoods, we mean black neighborhoods. Uh-huh. And when we say um, we're going to pat you down, we mean black people. Uh-huh. Okay. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. And, and, and so this, this judge in Massachusetts says, if you're a black man and a policeman makes eye contact and walks towards you, it is perfectly reasonable for you to run away. Okay? Yeah. That that is not probable. You're running away. So they talk about, well, it's your right to move where you want to move, right? You, Freedom of movement. We can walk. Yeah. So if I want to walk away from a situation, the speed at which I walk away from that situation should it's not... material. Yeah, so if I want to run away from the police, you know, and the police, obviously, you know, I get that, that they're like, oh, he's doing something wrong because he's running from me. Well, no. Maybe he just saw on YouTube how four people got shot in the back for doing nothing, and he doesn't want to get shot today, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I haven't found that there is a law that contradicts this, that says um, that running in a neighborhood where crime happens is, is reasonable suspicion. I think that the Massachusetts judge just, just said, I'm not going to follow that. Mm-hmm. The judge said, you know, running from the cops is not... But does it matter what the judge says? Right. Because I mean, you know anybody running from the cops is going to get chased and, and, and likely shot in the back. Right. Um, and then not prosecuted. The cops are not going to get prosecuted. Right. And then we have the to, the fear, the, uh, fear for your life too. Like, who can't say that? Like, a, a a reasonable, a justified shooting is fear. Like, all a cop has to say is, "I was afraid." 
and that's why I shot him. Well, I'm, I'm listening. There's no more metric than that. I'm listening to a podcast right now about um, a woman. Uh, this was a case you probably heard of, but the, it was a, a, a woman uh, a police officer was uh, finished up at like a 13-hour shift, and she went to her apartment building. Yeah. She lives on the third floor. Mm -hmm. She accidentally went to the fourth floor. She walked in. There was a black man, mm -hmm. happened to be an accountant at like Price Waterhouse, and in his but house just in watching his house, TV watching TV eating ice cream and she shot him and killed him yeah. in his own house you know and she said she just kept repeating uh, I, I thought it was my house I thought it was my apartment I thought it was my apartment um, you know I walk in there and he's there but but why pull the trigger? Right. Why not? The, the only thing she <laughs> can say you got the gun you're in the power position the only why thing not? she can say is, is I was afraid but but you know it, that's not it's not true every single time. It can't possibly be. Yeah. You know, nobody heard her say, show me your hands. Yeah. You know? So, um, and and every now and then, like in her case, it does get, the right thing does happen. I mean, she gets prosecuted she for yeah. manslaughter or whatever. I mean, obviously she didn't premeditate. I'm going to go uh -huh. in, I'm going to kill somebody today. There's a fantastic uh, podcast on <clears throat> Freddie Gray. Remember, he was the one that in in Baltimore, and they they rough rode him. Yeah, they, they put, put him, him in the in back, the back the and he showed up with a broken neck, broken spine thing. Yeah. But the, but what was most fascinating is where how how the Baltimore police has direct ties to the old slave chasers, like the institution that the Boston police came out of, were were the people that were rounding up runaway slaves. Like there's a direct continuity between those institutions. So they start yeah, there, they end, you know, locking people up in the back of a... Uh, yeah. I don't know how you drive in a way that breaks someone's neck, but I don't buy that. Anyhow. Yeah, and are, are, are they stuff. laughing? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's my feeling is, they're like, a, you know... And what, whatever, I think what, what, what people want to say is those are rare, isolated cases, and what what we're seeing is the popularization of of technology that allows us to focus on. That's true. The I mean, rare there's case. no question that is true. Police officers, when they shoot a black person in the back of the in the back and kill them, and somebody gets on YouTube, that's all we're going to watch. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to take a video of the police going to the domestic Being violence nice. thing and says, okay, do you feel like you're threatened? Why uh -huh. don't you come with me and I'll take you to a hospital? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, nobody cares, right? Yeah. And of course, that's 99.9% .9 of their job all the time. You know, they do a good job. I don't want to get, I don't want this to feel like the police kill every black person yeah. that they come across. I mean, I'm sure that, that white cops help black men uh, often, yeah, you know, but but, 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 but there is a societal cultural problem uh -huh. between black men and police that cannot be ignored. I mean, th that the Black Lives Matter thing is a uprising based on on something that's there. It's yeah. not just yeah. out of thin air. But what I feel like would be helpful, like when those when those huge cases like Eric Garner or like the, the man in South Carolina that was shot in the back running away or Philandro Castile who had a permit for his gun. In these highly popularized cases, 
there ought to be not only indictments of those obviously wrong actions, but the policing community ought to stand up with the populace and say, this is horrible. Instead, Instead of, of defending together, him, right. then it feels oppositional. I mean, why they, aren't the why isn't the police labor union condemning these actions? Yeah, this is not what police are. Yeah. you know. Yeah, no, I agree. The I mean, cops of all people they should do be indict examples. They, they do indict. They just don't convict. Yeah, but yeah. Um, and then the the only other thing I wrote here is 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 pure power a corrupting influence in and of itself? Yes, you know. And we talked a little bit about this with, with corporations, with, with material, uh, yeah. with uh, material consumerism. But, but um, I, 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 I think that when you walk in the room and everybody is bows to you, that that is a corrupting. Th- that there's no way that it can't be. Yeah. You know, and um, I just so which again makes me feel like a good cop is somebody to be celebrated because it's hard I think that it would be hard to be a good cop it'd be hard to be that guy that says I'm not going to take that $5,000 even though all of you are and now I'm putting myself on the outside right Serpico I want to hang out with Serpico yeah yeah I mean that's that movie just depressed the hell out of me I saw the movie and I was like okay that's it. I mean, there's the, it's not possible to be a good cop. It just it's not it's not possible. I mean, I think all cops, at least most cops, go in because you ask any cop, why did you become a cop? I because I want to help people. But then ten years later, you're in this miasma of greed and corruption, and you know. I mean, I, I read a book about the O.J. Simpson, mm-hmm. it's very in depth thing, and, and the Mark Furman part of the book was the history of the LAPD, mm-hmm. and they did not have elected chiefs police of chiefs, police. Yeah. They they hired from within, so there was no oversight. There was no oversight by the public whatsoever. Mm-hmm. They made the rules. They so it just became the most corrupt police force in the entire country. It was like laughable how corrupt it was. Um, So You were supposed to convince me I was wrong in this episode. About? About police. Well, you're wrong. You're you're wrong about uh, being racist. To any in any group, like like you said, it's like you don't know that cop, yeah. you know. And, and 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 honestly, when a cop comes up to me in the middle of the night um, with his hand on his gun and coming up to the car, I'm still gonna feel sorry for him. I'm still gonna feel like, man, that job is not a job I would want, you know. Yeah. So um, I, I do feel a little bit like being a good cop and being a good person. Um, are not necessarily mutually exclusive, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, but I, but what you said is, you know, you it's something that you recognize yeah. and that you just have to work on. I mean, yeah. you know, um, I don't hate cops. I hate bad cops. I see those YouTube videos and it's deplorable. But you hate bad cops and you're not sure if they're good cops. Well. I think they're good cops. I'm just not sure that they stay good cops. Uh, I'm not sure it's possible. I mean, you know, I wouldn't be suggesting that my friend's father, who's a captain of the Orlando Police Force, was a bad cop. I, I don't know. I don't know what his situation was. I, I, I like to assume that he wasn't on the take. <laughs> He's a great guy. So. Yeah. Well, if anybody knows any local Massachusetts, Boston area policemen that are friendly, yeah, officer friendly. 
Yeah. I'll have them over for a barbecue. Let me know. Yeah. So uh, hug a cop. Hug a cop. Um, That's our conclusion. But if you're a black man, approach slowly <laughs> with your hands empty. Very slowly. As you, you can hug a cop. But not, not low so that they think you're going for the gun. And don't Just pat very, too hard. Yeah. Just one quick. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, and I did want to say one final thing about you. You, you, you were talking about crack cocaine versus uh, crack versus cocaine, and uh, I, I'm fascinated with true crime and uh-huh. serial killing, and uh, it's one of my things. But um, something that I heard on one of these podcasts was, you know, somebody gets convicted of rape, okay, and they get five years, and it's just like, oh, if only they had heroin on them. Oh, if only there was just a a, a team just a dime bag of, of, then they would have gotten 30 years 40 years right it's, it's crazy. ridiculous crazy crazy yeah okay well okay, so we're gonna love cops yes and I uh, love you or learn to love cops love you love you too <laughs> Thank you.